Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see change lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. So I had one of those nightmares last night that only pastors have. You're not going to have this probably if you're not a pastor. Um, It was a nightmare where I was officiating a wedding and totally forgot my notebook with my wedding, all my wedding stuff in it. Um, you know, I, I, I use notes a little bit on sermons, but when I officiate a wedding or a funeral, I, uh, I kind of stay to the script. If you've been around me long enough, sometimes just random things come to my head and I just say them, you know, well, you don't do that at weddings and funerals, right? And so, um, yeah, so I had one of those where I'm, I'm literally, I wake up in this panic because I'm trying to remember all the vows by heart. Um, and you can't mess up the vows. I mean, right? You know, like bride, that's a great way to have a terrible wedding. So anyhow, I'm guessing very few of you have those nightmares, um, but that was, I guess, an indicator. How do you know you're a pastor when you have a nightmare that you forgot your book with all your wedding stuff in? Okay. Anyhow, hopefully tonight's sleep is a lot better. Maybe we'll see how it goes. Um, there was uh, lightning flashing everywhere. The thunder was cracking and billowing all over the place. In fact, speaking of billowing, smoke was coming from all places like never seen before. And then in, in the distance, this, this ram's what, a horn, but then it sounded like a ram's horn, started to pick up its intensity and to, to the point where it was loud as you can get. I mean, so cracking of thunder and lightning and, and billowing of smoke and, and this ram's horn taking off. And, and the people knew what was happening. The people knew what was happening. This was a sign that God was going to be making his presence known. In fact, that God was going to be coming down this mountain to meet with them in this pillar of fire. And when God walks down, he shares with the leaders of the people, and then the whole the people could hear it too. He shares what the Hebrew people call as the ten words. We call them the ten commandments. And so he starts sharing these, but he, there, was, there was this fourth commandment that he really spent more time on than any other of the ten. We know some of the, some of the others like do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not covet, do not steal, have no other gods before me, do not use the Lord's name in vain. But ironically, this fourth one the one we're going to look at here in a little bit is the one that he gave the most instruction on. You think all those other ones are a big deal, and they are a big deal. They were the 10 words. But this fourth one, the one that he gave more instruction on than any other, was about rest. Interestingly enough. Now, I don't know about you, but boy, we can use some teaching on rest, can't we? We are tired as a people. We are tired as a world. We are tired as a nation. If I were to use adjectives to describe our lives or my life or those that we know, right, it's exhausted. It's weary. It's worn out. It's stressed out. It's tired. It's all those things. In fact, this is not the kind of tired that I'm talking about where if you just get a good afternoon nap or you get a couple good nights sleep that it's fixed. And you resonate with me? That's not the kind of tired I'm talking about where just some sleep. This is a deep tired. This is one of those that's so deep within that a nap's not going to fix it. Even a good week of sleep is not going to fix it. 
No melatonin, I don't care how many milligrams, is going to fix it. In fact, if I were to look at our culture, one of the last things I think anyone would say about our culture, whether you believe in Jesus or whether you don't believe in Jesus, I think everyone would say that one way to describe, not describe our culture is a rested culture, right? I think everyone, you watch it online, wherever you are in your faith journey would say, yeah, I agree, Pastor, that's probably, yeah, I would not say we as a society are well-rested, <laughs> We are all those other things we talked about, right? Running the rat race, the hamster wheel, whatever the metaphor is, we have a lot of them, and all of us can resonate, I think, to them to some degree. And if we can't resonate now, we maybe can resonate in the future, or you have to, you know, don't do this, but you can look to the person next to you or down the row and say, yeah, they need to make some pivots. They need to make some changes. In fact, maybe it's like this mother of four who said, I'm so tired, my idea of a vacation is a trip to the dentist. I just can't wait to sit in that chair and relax. Some of you moms out there are saying, how, yeah, that's not even funny. Like, that's true, right? That is how my life goes. In fact, Samuel Butler said this. He said, life is a long process of getting tired. Life is a long process. The more life you live, the more tired you can become. Now, interestingly, God has a prescription for this ailment. And that's, that prescription is one word. It's a word that maybe some of you have heard of before. It's a word that maybe a lot of you have not before. And that word is the word Sabbath. Now, in the Hebrew, uh, the word is pronounced Sabbat. And so today you're all going to become one more word knowledgeable in Hebrew. So on the count of three, we're all going to say it out loud. Okay. On one, two, three, Sabbat. Okay. Sabbat. The word Sabbath, it literally means to rest, to cease, to desist. To rest, to cease, to desist. And so today we're going to be looking at this concept of Sabbath this idea of rest. In fact, rest is a spiritual discipline. Does that not seem like the weirdest thing you've ever heard? That a spiritual discipline, because this whole series has been about spiritual disciplines. We've talked about, that's where we're talking about hitting the gym every, every new year. We want to get fit, you know, we're going we're gonna to hit the gym, we're going to eat better, we're going to do all those kind of things. And so, we're looking this year and saying, that's a great thing, we should do that, we should take care of our bodies, God gave them to us. But have we asked ourselves, do I want to get fit spiritually? How much do I want God in my life? I opened up this series four weeks ago by saying, are we hungering and thirsting after righteousness? And righteousness literally means to be straight, to be, to be, to be on that path, if you will. Okay, and That's where the word comes from. So are we hungering and thirsting after being as, as straight and narrow after God, of, of wanting him so much, not being swayed this way or that way? Are we wanting him so much in our lives? And so we looked at things in week one. We looked, and if you missed any week, I'd encourage you to go check them out. They're on YouTube. Uh, we looked at solitude and silence. And then two weeks ago, we looked at spending time in God's word and allowing God's word to penetrate our hearts and our minds. And last week, we looked at prayer, and we specifically looked at the first verse of prayer, that he is our Abba, right? He is our dad. He's our daddy. He's our Abba. And if we go to him with childlike faith, if we go to him as our dad, what a great way to look at that relationship, that it's not, he's not distant, he's not far off. 
But have we ever think, have we ever considered that rest is a discipline? Well, it actually is. And then this whole series we've been talking about, the bigger picture of it is that it's not about being on the path that changes us. The reality is that when we are on the path, it allows for the change to occur. And so solitude and silence in of themselves don't make you a better Christian if you practice it more. Praying more, reading the Bible more, fasting, all those things, they don't make you right with God in and of themselves. They're not going to change your life in and of of themselves. But the reality is, if you don't do any of those, you're you're not on the path. And when you and I get on the path, that's when awesome things happen. That's when what with the song we talked about happens. That's when his grace, right? That's when his grace comes through and it changes us. And so we're going to go to Exodus 20 when these 10 words were spoken. And we're going to look at the one that he spent the most time on, which was um, on remembering the Sabbath. And so we're going to dive right in. We're going to be in verse 8. You'll see it on the screens or if you have your Bibles on your phones or the physical, bring, uh, go ahead and pull those out. He said this, he says, remember, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Isn't that fascinating that this is the one where he has to give a disclaimer to us and says, hey, um, remember, <laughs> right? Hey, don't forget, you're, uh, you're gonna have busy lives, you're gonna have a lot of things to do, don't think that our lives are busier than back in the day, right? They had busy lives too. I mean, they're going into a new land. <laughs> they had no homes. They had, they're starting from scratch. You don't think they had enough on their to-do list that day, right? And he says, remember, don't forget about this. He said, remember this thing. And then he says, isn't it fascinating that he finishes it by saying then, because it's holy, Holy. Holy is a, is a word that we maybe don't use all the time, and it probably then gets misunderstood. It's a very simple word to understand. It literally means to be set apart, to be set apart. And so he's saying, hey, remember this Sabbath. Remember this Sabbat, this time that you need for rest, this time that you need to recover Because this is a holy thing. This is something that I set apart. This isn't something that humans created. This isn't something that just happened. God's saying, I created this. This is my idea. You ever think about that? Rest is God's idea. And we'll get to that a little bit later of how that collided with Adam and Eve on their first day. But this is his idea. And then he says this. He says in verse 9, he says, Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. So how do you keep the Sabbath holy? God answers the question really quick. You and I do our work in six days. There's not a lot of ambiguity on this one. There's not a lot. Well, that's up for interpretation. I wonder what God meant when he said that. I'm going to have to go back to these writers and these commentaries and these theologians and these. No, (laughs) he just kind of just answered his question. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, and then six days are for working, and one day set apart. And not only, this is where God is so good, not only did he say you should do this, he modeled it and showed us why and what that should look like. We'll get to that in a little bit. There's a group of scientists, they're they're sitting around one day, and these are smart guys, and they figured out a lot of things, and they finally come to this conclusion that it's time to tell God he's out of business. 
It's time to tell God that they got it figured out. They're smart enough. They're educated enough. They've been to this university. They've invented things. It's time to put God out of business. And to do that, they need someone, they need someone to go and tell God that, hey, we've cloned sheep. We're in the process of cloning humans. God, you, thanks for your, whatever you did before, but now we don't need you anymore. And so finally, they, um, they get one guy brave enough who says, yeah, I'm going to go and approach God with this. And he says, he goes to God and says, um, God, just like I said, you know, we're smart, we're well-educated, we've done a lot of things in science over the years. And so God, it's, we got it, it's time for you to step out. And God looks at him and says, you know, okay, but, but before that happens, I, I just want to... Um, to see if you'd be willing in and having a contest with me. And they're like, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll prove once and again, we don't need you. And so God's like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Let's go bring it on, okay? And, and so what kind of contest would you like to do? And God said, well, I'd like to have, let's have a human-making contest. Let's see who can make a human first. And the guy's like, Pfft all right, this would be the final straw on God. And so he gets a scientist, God's on one side, the scientists are on the other side, and, all, and, they, and God says, they say, ready, set, go. And all of a sudden, they, both of them reach down and scoop up the dirt from the ground. And all of a sudden, God's like, no, 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 time out, buddy. You gotta go find your own dirt, right? So often, right, and just deal with my humor, I thought it was hilarious, okay, but but think of the implications, right? So often we think that we can handle this on our own. God, we don't, we don't need you. God, I got it figured out here. I, 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 I'm in control of this. And the reality is when you and I don't honor the Sabbath, when we don't remember the Sabbath, that's exactly what we're doing. We're saying, God, I don't need your help. God, I can get this done on my own. God, I will figure this out. God, you stay in your lane. I have my lane. I don't need this. And God put the Sabbath in place to remind us how things worked. He put that in place to remind us that if we don't honor this, we'll forget about who he is. Because we become very self-sufficient, right? I'm raising my hands because that's me right? We can become very self-sufficient. We can become very much like, I can get this done. And when I don't set the Sabbath aside, I'm going to look at the broader thing beyond the day, but it does start with that. That I'm saying, I am saying, I don't need to remember God. God doesn't fit into this equation. And God went on and said this in verse 10. He said, but the Sabbath, the seventh day, but the seventh day is a Sabbath Get this, to the Lord your God. On it you should not do any work, neither you nor your son nor your daughter nor your manservant nor your maidservant nor your animals nor the alien within your gates. See, the key to this is, he says this, to. This is to the Lord. In other words, when we set aside this day, set aside, right? When we set this apart, when we set this holy day aside, we acknowledge that we need God. We acknowledge that he's in control. In fact, other places in Scripture tell us that the Sabbath was not made for God. The Sabbath was made for us because we need to rest. And not only rest, but we need to remember where we fit into this cosmos. 
We need to remember the fact that there's only one general manager of this universe. And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of times I put my name on that certificate. I might, I'd never say it because, you know, my goodness, right? I don't want to sound like I'm taking God out of the job, his job. But we do it all the time, at least I do. And God institutes this and says, if you don't honor the Sabbath, it's so much bigger than a day. It's so much bigger than than 24-hour periods, so much bigger than what you do and you don't do on the Sabbath. We sometimes get into the weeds with stuff, don't we? God's saying up here, this is about remembering me. This is about remembering who I am and what I can do in your life and what I will do in your life. It is a reminder to us, honestly, that he's our provider, that he's our Jehovah Jireh that we don't have to provide on our own. We don't have to try to keep making things where we don't have to work until we drop over. We can count on him to provide. There's so many parallels between this and tithing, believe it or not. And I'm not going to go for time's sake into that. But one thing with a biblical tithe or storehouse tithe is that the first 10% goes to God. And the whole concept is that living off the 90, God, his blessing is so much bigger than 10%. So living off the 90 is so much better in God's eyes than the full 100. The same goes to this. Six days in God's eyes is better than seven. Now I'm going to get in a little bit to some of my personal struggles with this. This is an area that I'm an expert on failing. Uh, So I have some good material for you of not, not to do. But When you actually do start honoring the Sabbath, and when we look at it from its basic foundation, and I do believe that a day is a day, and that's another story for another day, no pun intended, but that when we look at this of setting this aside as something special and holy, here's the shocking thing. I'm more productive and fruitful in six days than the the weeks I work seven. Now, there's a genius idea, you would think. God knows what's best, right? But so often we can grab onto that. Verse 11, he says, For in six days the Lord God made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh. Remember I said he set the example. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. God says, you must keep the Sabbath because I kept the Sabbath. Now, did God need to rest? That's one of the foundational things I think people sometimes show. God must have been tired. He had a lot of creating to do. He took nothing and made the whole universe in six days. He surely had to have been tired. That's why he rested. Been watching Family Feud a little bit, right? Okay. God was not tired. God did not hit fatigue. God was not worn out. He was not weary. Don't forget this. He did not create the Sabbath for himself. He created it for us. The fascinating fact is this. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. If you know kind of how the creation account goes on what happened day one, etc. One of the On day six, God created mankind. He created Adam and Eve. But did you ever think about this? The first full day on earth for Adam and Eve was the seventh day. And what, did ha- what happened on the seventh day? Rest. I think there's something to that, that God, on the very first full day that Adam and Eve, that humanity spent on earth, it was a day of rest. He was showing them from the beginning, this is how the rhythm operates. And again, it's not about doing nothing. The whole point of rest is to remember 
who's running the show. The whole point of rest is so we keep our lives in track to understand that we can't forget about God. We're not self-sufficient. We can't just do this on our own. It's all for us. That's a good dad, isn't it? We sing that song, Good to Good Father. That's a good dad. It says, you know, I know you're going to struggle with it. I know there's going to be a propensity with humankind to be self-sufficient. I know that. I know there's going to be propensities for burnout and for for anxiety and for rest, just fatigue and, and weariness and all that. I'm going to put this in place because I want to protect them. Actually, if you look at the bigger context of this, he was just, he had just led these people. Go back, way back into Genesis, he had, he had connected with one person, that being Abraham. He revealed himself uh, to Abraham and said, I want to, to start with you that at many, that the whole, all peoples, you want to put the Bible all together, that I'm going to reach all the peoples in the new covenant then did that, all peoples through you. And so there's this story, you know, of they end up in Egypt and then they're in slavery and bondage. And the first example we see in scripture of God is a deliverer. God is the deliverer. He delivers them out and he brings them and they eventually get into this promised land. They had just gotten there. You can read it for yourself in Exodus. And now he's revealing himself to them. But he's also at this point sharing with them what they need for their own good. That's what's going on when he's giving the law and the 10, and the ten words. And you can read the rest of you know, Exodus and some of Leviticus of all those laws that seem kind of crazy. We're actually going to do a series this summer on Leviticus. It's going to be awesome. Okay? But that's a few months away. But he's doing this for his, their protection. He's doing this because he's so good. He's doing this because he wants the best for them. And I think so often we have this idea of God that he's trying to just ruin my life. He's, taking a, he's saying, oh, you got to give this day over to me. Then I'm not going to be able to get my job done. And then this guy next to me who works seven days a week and this person who works, they're going to get promoted and whatever else. And God says, would you just trust me? That's part of what this is about, right? As a provider, God, would you, Mark, would you just trust me? How many times he's told me that in conjunction with this? Would you just trust me? Three men stood before a firing squad. And one of them says, we have to get out of this somehow. That's a smart guy. He says, I tell you what, when they get ready to shoot one of us, we will yell out something to distract them and run, then run away. Okay? So the firing squad lines up and the commander says, ready, aim. And one of the guys yells out, Tornado. And the men in the squad look this way, and the guy takes off. They get assembled again. The command comes, ready, aim. And another guy yells, flash flood. They look again. He takes off. Finally, there's just one guy left. The, man, the command comes, ready, aim. And the last guy yells, fire. You gotta, this is why you weather the snow. When you and I don't rest, when you and I don't honor the Sabbath, we can say and do some stupid things, right? When you and I don't honor the Sabbath, when we don't rest, when we don't live from a state of rest, we can become irritable. We can become short we get worn out. We lose creativity. We don't hear from God because we're just trying to get one foot in front of the other. You get my point? 
This has been, as I said earlier, a struggle with me. I'm one of those guys who for many years wore with a badge of bad pride the fact that I could work more than anyone else. I'm wired that way. I've been fortunate. I've always loved my job. That doesn't hurt to want to work. But I'm one of those guys just in my makeup, just in my personality type where I can really lock in. <laughs> Actually, my top strength, if you do this, strength finders is focus. I can be, for good or bad, I can become a laser beam. And so I was one of those guys for many years that I would be up at five in the morning, I'd hit the gym, I'd be in at the office when I was a teacher by six or so. Part of it is I'm an introvert and that was the only quiet I was going to have, so I got there early. But then I would, then when I have a full school day, I would, I coach sports uh, my whole time. And a lot of times then I'd work, I was doing degrees, I was running science fairs, I was involved in, I was doing everything. And I would sometimes not get home till eight, nine o'clock at night. And I would just get up and do it over. I mean, I was one where I, I would say, yeah, I could work 78 hours a week, week after week after week after week. And it became a pride thing. I'm, and I would honestly be like, dude, you only work 40 hours? Like, that's my Wednesday, dude. You know, like, <laughs> right? Um, you know, and, and, and you think you're good. That's the deceit of the enemy, right? You think you're doing fine. I was seeing success. I was productive. I was getting things accomplished. I was checking things off the list. I mean, all those things. And then one day, it's almost literally one day about eight years into this, and I does tell you I do have some stamina, but about eight years into this, I just realized I don't care about anything anymore. <laughs> the classic sign of burnout, by the way. Like I had, I just was like zapped. I had worked holidays. Again, I'd gone in on Christmas. I had gone on in Thanksgiving. I had gone Easter. I mean, you name it, I was working. And if I wasn't in the office, I was bringing it home, right? Anyone struggle with that? You don't have to raise your hand, but I'm sure we do. And that hit me. I hit, and I was so dishonoring the Sabbath. So dishonoring it. And like any sin, and it is a sin, it catches up to you. And I do. I hit that. I remember going into my superintendent and saying, I'm kind of done. I don't even care how I get paid. I don't care if I don't get... That's a good sign. Like, you know you're kind of done when you're like, I don't even know. I don't care if you give me a paycheck. I can't function. I was fortunate enough to be in an environment where they gave me some time off and said, go get better, and then quit acting like an idiot, okay? <laughs> my translation, or what I said to myself. I had an accountability partner at that time, and he had been speaking truth into me. I had been ignoring it to some degree, but it really stuck with me. He said, Mark, when you dishonor the Sabbath, in God's eyes, it's right up there in his top ten. If you look at the list, it's not far away from murder. It's not far away from coveting. It's not far away from adultery. And we want, I know there's significant consequences to doing those, and I obviously don't recommend for any of those, of course. But we so, I don't know, and pastors were notorious for this, we so minimize breaking the Sabbath. Well, that's not, I didn't, I didn't use God's name in vain. I didn't worship some other God. I didn't, I, I didn't commit adultery, I didn't steal, I didn't murder, I didn't covet, I honored my parents, you know. And we, when then we're like, well, this is the little, it's like the white lie, like it's a lie, dude, right? This is like the one where we make excuses. I'm doing God's work. That's dumb, okay? I mean, <laughs> we make all these things, and I don't know what you're, for a lot of us, if it's not saying that, it's saying, I'm just, I have to. I, I can't get it done if I don't. 
There's just too many things on my plate. I have so many responsibilities. I have all those other things. Who's your CEO? Who's your general manager? See, when we don't honor the Sabbath, we lose perspective, don't we? We start, we, we do. We become so fixated on all this stuff. We, we lose perspective on those who mean the most to us. We lose perspective on our marriage. You think pastors need to figure this one out with the rate of burnout, with the rate of moral failure and all those things in ministry? A lot of it can be traced back to this, to be honest. That and lack of accountability. We lose perspective. When we don't understand, we can't handle the unexpected or the expected problems of life. Right? You hit something that's not even a big deal in all, you know, all the scheme of things or something that is a big deal and you've already been so far beyond the margins for so long that it just takes you out, right? Because we're running without God's guidance. In fact, I would say that Sabbath rest is a means to life. It's a means to life. Without it, you're never going to experience the life that God's called us to. He tells us in John 15, uh, and I'm going to go through this relatively quick for time's sake. You'll see it on the screen on John 15. He says this. I'm going to read one through four. Yeah, one through four. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he trims clean so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither, you can bear, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I just want to quick draw something for you. This has been something that someone showed me years ago, and it's always stuck with me, and it, you walk backwards on a stage, that's a recipe for embarrassment, but made it. Um, and we have this for someone shorter than me. From John 15, and the whole idea of John 15 is talking about that resting or abiding in him and then bearing fruit. And if you are like a visual person that, likes, that sticks with you, that you'll like this. So this is a semicircle, at least my attempt at it. And just think of a pendulum here. And that pendulum swings, you know, from one side to the other. And on this side, we have rest. Or using the text here, abide. Abiding in him. And on this side, we have fruit bearing or work. And, and I'm just putting this in a very simple, simple, easy way to see it. Most of us don't struggle with the pendulum being over here forever. That would be more slothfulness, laziness, okay? And there's some people that struggle with that. But for the vast majority, I believe that we tend to just live over here, actually like over there or up here, right? Okay? And the scripture is telling us crystal clear. It actually traces itself, not literally, but traces it when you look at the totality of scripture back to Sabbath rest, that we need a pendulum. In fact, he tells us, this is one verse I remind myself all the time, apart from him, I can do nothing. I looked it up in the Greek, which the New Testament's written in. The word in Greek means nothing. They did a good translation. Apart from him, I can do nothing. You know how many times I have to remind myself of that? Mr., I'll just work more. Mr., I'm just self-sufficient. Mr., I'm just going to read more, study more, just put some more hours in. I can get it done. 
Apart from him, I can do absolutely nothing. Some of us need that reminder today, that we need this balance in life. And look at seasons of your life. Look at Jesus, by the way, phenomenal example, obviously, always, of what it means to have this rhythm. How many times, and looking at, again, this whole series, did he rest or abide in the Father? That he had moments of solitude, the times where he spent in God's word, okay? That his Father's word, the times he just spent in prayer. Look at his, look at in your Bible, if you have one like mine, it even says his things in red letters, okay? Uh, but look at the seasons with Jesus where he abided, he did it a lot. If Jesus needed it, dot, 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 yeah, right. And then look at fruit bearing. Jesus had a phenomenal rhythm of his life. And every time you saw him in, a, in an abiding season or a resting season, it eventually then led to bearing, not of his own accord, this is grace again, the Father's work. In fact, he's the one who always would say, right? I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only say what the Father tells me to say. I only go where the Father tells me to go. Why? Because he was the expert at that. And that's what I'm saying. When we don't honor the Sabbath, when we work, 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 work. Here's something to think about. This is another saying that I heard years ago that stuck with me. Instead of resting from work, why don't we work from a state of rest? Let's say it again. I don't think I have a slide for it. When, instead of resting from work, why don't we work from a state of rest? That's what Sabbath's all about. Any of you like me that you go on vacation, you go in the vacation beyond limping in the vacation. You're dragging yourself in the vacation. And by the end of vacation, you maybe are back up on your feet enough, and you're, but you're staggering. And then you go right back in in the hamster wheel. And then you're like, and if you're like us, we are driving back, planning our next vacation, because this is a great way to live. And God says, you don't need to go on vacation to live the way I told you to live. In fact, every day of your life can be this if you work from a place of rest. Not saying don't take vacation, do it. But he's saying you don't have, that can be beyond a refreshing time for you. That can be a super special time, not a time to just get back off the hamster wheel long enough so you can breathe. He's saying, why don't you start working from a state of rest? Why don't you rest in me? One of the verses that's been so huge to me, this was the night before he was betrayed and, and led to execution. His disciples are obviously out of sorts. They're anxious, they're nervous, they're fearful. And Jesus says these words to him so very simply. He says, my peace I give to you. Oh, wow. Anyone want to receive that? It's a gift, by the way. Anyone want to receive that gift? Did you ever think, ever consider that Sabbath or rest is a gift? The Bible tells us that all good gifts come from the heavenly lights above, from the Father. Sabbath, folks, is a gift Sabbath is a gift of peace to us. I guarantee you this, from my own experience, when I have gotten it right, my life is so much more peaceful. I'm so much more in tune with the Father. Some of those things that led to where we are with Alpha and a couple other things right now is because I was in a season of obedience. I was abiding. I was honoring the Sabbath. I wasn't checking. My, my Sabbath is a Friday just because of our, our schedule. 
I was honoring it. I wasn't checking my email. I was all those temptations that we all have, right? That we feel like, I just got to do this. This is when you know you have a sickness, by the way. <laughs> I just got to do this, and we just do that. We, then we rationalize. Well, I didn't go into the office. I just checked one email. I'm not saying you have to get this perfect, because I'm definitely not perfect on it. But what I'm saying is, would you just trust him? Would you trust him that six is better than seven? Would you trust him that you can live from this? So the question I just ask you is, would ask you in closing is this. What does authentic Sabbath look like for you? I don't want to make this hard because the Father said he doesn't make things hard for us. He actually makes our burden lighter. What does authentic Sabbath rest look like for you? Don't feel you have, I, I, I'm one of those where I feel like if I don't get it all perfect, then I failed. Anyone else like that? Just like fasting. Like if you ate a Milky Way on Wednesday, God still will answer prayer. You're not shunned from his prayer receipt. Same with Sabbath. What's the starting place look like for you? Have you ever, I, I talked to a lot of people and they've never even considered it. People have been in church for many years. Again, we just kind of look, well, I didn't murder anyone. I didn't commit adultery. I didn't steal. Well, thanks. I'm glad. <laughs> Don't, <laughs> right? If, is that our bar? Like, we think we'd do better. But we don't, we don't think about this one. We rationalize it. We, and then we are a train wreck. So what's authentic Sabbath look like for you? What's a starting place? Maybe for some of you, you've never considered abiding. For others of us, maybe we never thought about the concept that I can work from a state of peace. I can work from a state of rest and allow the gift of his grace to come in and help you with that. I want to close with this. This is from um, the message paraphrase from Matthew chapter 11. And I love how Eugene Peterson and maybe you want to read these words as they're on the screen. Maybe you just want to close your eyes and let them soak in. Maybe you just want to start that process with him of what rest, authentic Sabbath looks like for you. He says this, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforth rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn how to live freely and lightly. Jesus gives you and I this invitation today, this invitation for Sabbath rest. Will you take it? Will you receive it? It's going to be hard because the enemy's not going to want you to slow down. He's not going to want you to rest. He wants you worn out. He wants you tired. He wants you stressed because then he knows that that's going to get cracks in your marriage. He knows that's going to mean you're going to be more self-sufficient. You're probably not going to spend time with the Father. He knows that could lead you to temptation and get succumbing to temptation. He knows that. So guess what? He is going to fight you tooth and nail on this. But the Father, because he's good. Receive this from me today. Would you trust me? Would you remember that I'll be your provider? I'll be there for you. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would receive 
peace as a gift. God, I pray that we would receive Sabbath rest as a gift. And like any gift, we can return it to the sender. Like any gift, we can let it just sit there. Like any gift, we can use it for a period of time and then do away with it. God, I pray that you would remind us and nudge us. You don't berate us. You don't beat us down. You don't scorn us. You don't shame us. But would you nudge and remind us to pick the gift back up and use it? Would you remind us? Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected with all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives. God, I pray that we would receive your word that, as James tells us, that we would not hear it and then forget what it says, but that we would be doers of this word today. Thanks for joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend. Because changed lives, changed lives.